Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number five. This may seem a bit familiar, but when I ministered here on last, or the last Wednesday night that I ministered here, I spoke about the church, and um, I just didn't feel like the Lord was through with that subject, and as I was preparing today, I just felt a little nudge to go further in this direction. So Ephesians chapter number 5, we'll read our key verse here in verse 27. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. That he might present it to himself. And I like this description here of the church, a glorious church. And I just want to speak about the glorious church. Amen. I want the Lord to help us tonight, don't you? Why don't we lift up our voices to him right now and let's pray together that the Lord would bless, move, and minister in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we need you. We desire you. We pray, God, for your help. We're asking, God, for your blessing upon the remainder of our time together tonight. We're thankful for your good presence that we feel. And I pray, God, that you continue to move in this place. We thank you for it and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, thank you for standing. You may be seated. One may ask the question, why would we spend so much time teaching or preaching a message specifically about the church itself? Maybe you think that that is something that is settled, that the church is glorious and uh, not something that needs to be reiterated. But uh, my purpose here, and I feel like the reason why the Spirit of the Lord has directed me in this way, is because if we're not extremely cautious, church is one of those things that we can take for granted something that is so dear, something that is so precious, something that is so wonderful, something that should be the centerpiece of our lives, we can lose our appreciation. Just as we can lose our appreciation for anything, we can lose our appreciation for the church. And if there's anything that's critical, it is that we not lose our appreciation for the church that God has established for us to be saved in and to be a part of. Can you say praise the Lord to that? I'm noticing in this hour or with this generation that people become, and I I don't know if it's because of technology and because uh, you can so rapidly uh, look things up and then change a course in that and find something else to do. I mean, we have games on our iPhones. We have all kinds of things to doodle with to waste our time. And I don't know if that's the culprit for this, but I am noticing that people are 
uh, growing bored with things more quickly than they ever have before. And uh, that concerns me because there's nothing that should be more important. And there's nothing that should compete with the church in our lives. Absolutely nothing. Not money, not positions, not pleasures of this world. And it's easy for us to take uh, the church and all the goodness that God has provided for us here and grow complacent with it. Uh, because we've been around it. It's the old saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, one of the maladies of growing old, I suppose, is farsightedness. Uh, it's not that your arms are getting shorter. It's just that your eyes are getting a little bit worse. And uh, it's like you need your child to go across the room and hold up the book for you so you can read it. And you're always trying to extend it out there just a little bit further. And that's called farsightedness. You can see things. It's a strange thing that you can see things better far away than things that are up close. But there's such a thing, I believe, as spiritual farsightedness. As we get around things and we're up close to things and we're rubbing shoulders with the people of God and in and out of the presence of the Lord uh, frequently, if we're not careful, we can grow spiritually farsighted. This is something that I believe can be substantiated through the Word of God, through the Scripture. We find a young man that we call the prodigal son that suffered from this malady. Uh, he was in the father's house, but he did not appreciate after a period of time being raised around all the goodness, all the blessings, the favor, all that was afforded to him in the father's house because uh, he got to looking out and seeing others and maybe measuring himself and comparing himself against them, he got to thinking that true happiness was somewhere else, that true joy was somewhere else, that true peace and fulfillment in life was somewhere else. And uh, he later found that there was nothing further from the truth. But uh, when he looked into the world, it looked better than what was closest to him and what was the real blessing of his life, and that was the protection of the Father the favor of the Father, and the goodness and the blessings that come with being a part of the Father's house. Not only did the prodigal son suffer from this, but we also find that there was a lady in the book of Ruth, uh, Naomi and her husband, that lived in Bethlehem, Judah, which was called the house of bread. But yet there was a period of famine that came. There was a low time that came in their life. And they began to look elsewhere to be fed. And they moved just a little ways away to a place called Moab. Uh, Moab was a place that was filled with all kinds of wickedness and evil and sin. Matter of fact, it's representative of sin in the scripture. And they moved to Moab. And there she lost her sons. And uh, her husband passed away. And when she came back, uh, she said, call me not. Uh, Naomi, call me Mara, for I am bitter. I left, and everything was going good, and I come back, and I feel empty. And uh, I don't understand uh, what has really happened here. I thought that when I left, I was going to find everything I was looking for. Little did I realize that everything that I really yearned for was right here. 
Isn't that so typical with people sometimes? They get to looking elsewhere during a low time in their spiritual life. Uh, maybe it's a time of disappointment. And, you know, just because you're Holy Ghost field doesn't mean that you're not going to have times of disappointment. People are going to disappoint you. Life itself is going to have its disappointments. There's going to be a time when you're going to apply and you're not going to be accepted. There's going to be times when you're not going to get the promotion. There's going to be times when your car is going to break down. There's going to be times and you can fill in the blank that those things are going to happen because we live in an imperfect world. But if we hang on and we are faithful and we serve God, I promise you that the mountaintop experiences are far greater than the low valley experiences. And if we live for God and we're faithful in our service towards the Lord, then we have Him when we do go through those low periods to turn to, to appeal to, that will help us, that will give us strength, that will encourage us when we're discouraged, that will help us to understand that maybe there is a purpose to uh, the, the situations of our lives that seems like... Uh, their setbacks that really maybe God is using that to work something out of us or perhaps he's got something better for us later. You ever thought of that? That perhaps he has something better for you later on in life if you'll just remain faithful. Uh, the Bible says with patience we possess the things of God. With patience by holding on and being uh, patient and in the process being faithful to God not growing discouraged and throwing in the towel and giving up and quitting turning around turning back backsliding uh, blaming someone else or worse blaming God but we just hold on in faith and we know that the trial of our faith is working uh, things in our lives praise the Lord and so that's what we've got to hold on to and so there's nothing that should take the place of the church in our lives. As far as a physical place that we come and we worship and we, we come and we hear the word of the Lord and uh, a physical place like this sanctuary that we come and we connect with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's what we term in, in our modern time as a church. I understand that the church is far bigger than that because the church is the body of Christ as a whole. And we're connected to the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, we're a small portion of the body of Christ. Do you realize that you're a part of something great? You're a part of something wonderful. The Bible described it as glorious here in the Scripture. So uh, this, this is just a part of what God has. This is just a portion of God's body. But I want to connect with the portion that God has allotted for me in my life. And it's my job to connect to the church. A lot of people try to put the onus on the church. They try to put the blame on the church. Well, I just didn't feel like I got connected there. I didn't feel like uh, they were open or inclusive to me. I do believe a church needs to be open. I do believe it needs to be inclusive. I do believe it needs to be friendly. But you can shake people's hands till they fall off. And if their heart is not open to receive, and if they're not open to connect to the church, and they don't desire or hunger for the things of God, it doesn't matter how many programs you got. It doesn't matter how friendly you are. And I'm not negating any of those things because we endeavor to do them all. But it is important that we realize that we all, as a part of the church, have a responsibility ourselves, first of all, to be faithful to the church. You can't be connected to something you're not faithful to. 
If you're up and down and in and out and, and uh, uh, unconcerned and, and are not open and not friendly yourself, then you cannot expect to be connected to it. But if you are hungry to connect to the body of Christ, there is an opening here for you to receive and to get what you need from God. And through being connected, through being connected, you receive what you need to bring life to you. I'm not just talking about life physically. I'm talking about life and life more abundantly, what the Scripture describes as life. Praise the Lord. It's through connection to your body that your finger has life in it because if it has blood in it, it has life in it. Praise the Lord. And only through amputation or uh, some other means, maybe the circulation being cut off. That's why it's important that we let the blood of Jesus flow to anybody and everybody that he draws into this church. We ought not put an X on somebody and say, well, I just don't know if God can save them. And I don't know if God could work in their life by what they look like or what they act like or where they come from or the color of their skin or anything else that may be a prejudice that you hold in your heart. I want to tell you, blood can reach them. The blood of Jesus can reach them. We ought to be inclusive to them and allow them to be a part of the body of Christ. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. It is very important that the blood be able to flow, that we not restrict it, that we not cut off as it were, the circulation to the blood. Amen. Everybody needs an opportunity to come to the cross. Everybody, whosoever will, the Scripture said, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. So I am so thankful for the inclusiveness that you find in the church and the body of Christ. But in reviewing our lesson uh, the last time, uh, I spoke about the church as a phenomenon because... Uh, historically, institutions have come and gone. Many of you have lived long enough to see a lot of institutions come and go. Governments, I mean, even in my short life, I have seen governments come and go, be absorbed by other governments, uh, other nations, take their territory away from them and, and overcome them. And uh, we've seen firms and businesses and enterprises. Anybody remember Sears? I'll go back a little further. Anybody remember Montgomery Wards? Amen. You better get in a hurry if you want something from J.C. Penney. <laughs> Praise God. Because these things are fading away. That's just part of it. If you work at J.C. Penney's, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But I'm just stating to you that things are ebb and flow. Things change. And uh, things, uh, things are different. We're not living in the same world. They, they, they come and go. And uh, we've become used to that, it seems like, more frequently here lately. And the church, after all of the changes of the world, after 2,000 years, it's still thriving. It's still here. It's not just existing. It's not just surviving. It's not just merely getting by. But it's, it's gaining. It's stronger. It's more powerful. And as we said here tonight in the Scripture, it's glorious. And that is the church that he's coming back for. Today our nation celebrated the, the longest what they call bull run market that there's ever been in the history of our nation from 2009 to 2018. Uh, the longest bull market. Of course there's a lot of folks trying to take credit for that and all of that. I'm not here to discuss or debate who's trying to take credit and who deserves credit. But I am saying that uh, as sure as the market goes up, it has times when it ebbs. 
And uh, it has times when it goes up and down. You cannot look at a long period on the on the market and, and not see a bunch of ebbs and flows. Matter of fact, if, if you was to go and invest, uh, your wealth manager would tell you that we, we cannot... We don't predict all of this on a year-to-year basis or even on a five-year basis. But we're telling you, if you continue to steadily invest and give a portion of your income into this over a long period of time, we have seen through analyzing this over over decades that the economy uh, and you investing in it, it, your money is going to grow. And, and it's by, by you steadily putting into it, investing into it, that it's going to grow. You can't take a bad day and yank all your money out and decide, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not invest anymore. And you can't take a, a slow period and do that. And you can't get up on a high and feel like it's going to be like that all the time. You just have to be consistent. And through consistently doing this, when you reach a certain age of maturity, then, then you can reap the benefit of it. And, and it's much like that in the church. But I'm going to tell you, the church is not just on a good bull run. The church has, has been in existence and been gaining ground and going up for 2,000 years. It started with 120, and it went to 3,000, and from there 5,000, and then on into Samaria and Judea, into the uttermost part of the earth, the Bible says, and it's still flourishing today. It doesn't matter how wicked the world gets. Doesn't matter adverse, and, and and people may say we're not a Christian nation anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's still the fastest. The spirit-filled Christian is still the fastest growing in all of the world. Amen. And and just because uh, you have not witnessed it like you would like to, doesn't mean that God is not able or God is not doing it because He is. I said He is, and we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it. We want to get on board with what God is doing. Opposition has not wrecked it. Enemies have not vanquished it. Dissenters have not destroyed it. In fact, the church is flourishing and growing stronger, and her momentum is increasing. He said it's a glorious church. And so what what makes the church glorious? We explained in our last session that it was built on the right foundation. That's That's why the church is glorious. Ephesians 2 and 20 and are built upon the foundation, <clears throat> excuse me, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The foundation is sure. Bedrock of truth. And I, I, I spent a lot of time on this, and I'm not going to reiterate all of that, uh, but it's built upon the Word of God, and that's what makes it strong. Amen. It's built upon the apostles' doctrine, and that's what makes it strong. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Somebody said, why so much emphasis on the Scripture? Why so much emphasis on the Word of God? Well, that's the one thing that is sure. That's the one thing that is solid. In a world full of flux and up and down and, and uh, ebbs and flows, that's the one thing that you can depend upon. Can you say praise the Lord? And uh, in verse 21 of our text, it said, in whom all the buildings fitly Framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Amen. We know that that uh, we're, we're built and the material that is used here is you and I. So when he talks about a glorious church, when he talks about the material that's being used and how meticulously it's fit together, it's built on this foundation, but then 
It's constructed and meticulously fit together. We're not talking about a barn here. You build a barn, you can use secondary materials. You can go out here in the woods and you can use all kind of just slabs and wood and whatever you can find, nail it up, put it together, and that's good enough for a horse or a cow to get under and, and uh, not be rained on or snowed on or find warmth in. But uh, that's a little different than a custom home, right? A little different than, than having something that's comfortable and trimmed out. And, and you don't call the same guy that puts up a pole barn to come and put the interior in in your kitchen. Uh, that, they just don't work in the same line of work. It doesn't matter if you're a quarter inch off when you're building a barn, but it matters if you're a quarter inch off when you're putting that crown molding up because you're going to have to have a real good caulking gun if you make a consistent quarter inch wrong cut every time. Matter of fact, it's going to show up real bad. And, uh, and so uh, there's a lot of difference in building just anything or a barn or a doghouse or, or uh, uh, just some old lean-to or some shed out back that you're going to store your lawnmower in than building something that is going to be glorious. And when he came to building this church, he said, I'm going to use materials that are glorious. And somebody said, well, I look around, and I, if, if we're the material uh, that he's using to build up his church, how in the world could you say that it's glorious? Because in verse 22 it said, In whom ye also are built up together for the habitation of God through the Spirit. We are a part of this building. We are the materials that God is using and the materials that were once inferior. You and I, we have to admit, we were inferior when we come to God. We were castaways when we come to God. Many of us, well all of us, fit for nothing when we come to God. Can you say praise the Lord? Oh, don't have so much pride tonight. Say amen. Amen. You wasn't all of that in a bag of chips when you come to God. When you came to the altar, you needed God. You needed help. You needed grace. You needed mercy. You needed the Holy Ghost. You needed to get your sins washed away. Amen. We are a part, we're a part of this building up. And we're the materials that God is using. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's materials when you go to build that you can go out to the lumber yard and you can find them for a lesser price because they're secondary. There's two by fours that they're got knots all in them and they're crooked, and uh, you 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 try to you try to uh, nail sheetrock on them and and you got one nail here and you got another one over here because the board's so crooked, and uh, you can't you can't build something of perfection with that. Uh, they're unfit. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And before you get to pointing some of your fingers at somebody that you know that fits in one of those categories, verse 11 says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. Amen. Because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus through taking on the name of Jesus and baptism, and we have the Spirit of our God, the Holy Ghost, on the inside of us. We which were once unfit, 
we which were once imperfect, we that would not make uh, make the grade, so to speak, uh, it's because of the grace and the goodness of God. It's because of Him making us worthy. We used to be sinners. Uh, we used to be unfit. We used to be material that could not be used to build up or contribute in any way to the kingdom of God, to the church that God is wanting to establish. We couldn't bring anything to the table. But once we came to the altar and repented of our sins and God gloriously filled us with the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name, we become a contributor to the church. We can build up and help the church and the kingdom of God to be what it needs to be. So in essence, being a part of the church, you're a glorious child of God. Not because of anything that we are in our flesh, but because of His redemptive power, because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has made us a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Let's clap our hands and give praise to Him right now. Hallelujah. God is going to use each one of us, our particular gifts, and it's, he's going to build up us upon that foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. These are days of uncertainty. But 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Amen. You may feel like sometimes he doesn't know. But I promise you, he knows. He knows exactly what you're facing, what you're going through, the trial that you're in, whatever it is that you are encountering right now, whatever challenge, he knows. And then, secondly, the church is glorious because of who is at its head. Amen. Uh, who controls it? Colossians 1, 16 through 18. For by him we are... All things created. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head. Everybody say the head. The head of the body. The church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. In other words, he's in control. He is on the throne. Things in this world may seem a wreck, but he's in control. Things may seem like they're spiraling out of control in your world, but I'm telling you, he is at the helm of this thing. So it doesn't matter what storm comes against us and how fierce the winds may blow, as long as I know that he's at the helm of this ship. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and uh, uh, Hebrews 2 and 10, it calls him the captain of our salvation. So storms come, but the one that that directs our ship through the storm is the same one that controls the wind. 
Amen. And the one that controls the waves. The disciples marveled at him when in the storm. They said even the winds and the sea obey him. We don't get it. But what he was trying to reveal to them is you may be in a storm, but I am in control of everything that is happening. And I'm going to show and reveal to you just how powerful I am. And I can help you through whatever you're facing in life. If you continue to walk with me and be faithful to me and serve me and, and, and allow me to direct you, there's nothing that you have to fear. I'm going to just remind somebody in this place here tonight, and when you stay in the church of the living God, you don't have to fear everything that happens in the headlines. You don't have to fear everything that you hear coming across the news waves. You don't have to fear what happens, uh, amen, somewhere in this world when war breaks out. You don't have to fear those things because you're a part of the church and God takes care of His bride. In fact, He said, she's the apple of my eye. Birds of prey, before they'll ever begin to feast on a carcass, they always put their beak, and I know this is a little grotesque, but they put their beak in the eye of that carcass. Why? They know as long as there's any life in that being at all, it's going to protect the eye. It's going to do whatever it can to protect or get away from the threat that comes to the eye. And when Jesus tells us that you're the apple of my eye, what he's trying to tell us is you're the most sensitive and and the greatest thing that I desire to protect. You're the one that I love the most. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide. I'm going to protect. I'm going to be be there when you need me to be. Come on, if you believe that, you ought to lift up your voice and clap your hands to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, to be a part of the church. Thank you, God, that I'm a part of your bride. Praise God. Amen. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful for the church of the living God. And the third thing is that makes the church glorious is her future. She has a promised future. A hope. When describing this hope, Paul said, if I had hope only in this life, I would be above all men, most miserable. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll look at that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Verse number 12. Now if Christ be preached that rose from the dead. Paul is describing things about the resurrection. Not only the resurrection of Christ, but he's likening it to the future resurrection of the church. And he said, now if Christ be preached that rose from the dead. How some say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain. Matter of fact, we need to shut the books, close the door of the church, and stop and quit if we cannot believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the future resurrection of the church. Amen. I'm going to tell you, that that's a hope that we have that nobody can take away from us. If I stay in the church, I have a hope that I'm not staying in this world. And your faith is also in vain. Yea, 
And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead raise not, arise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, we all men, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And what he is trying to say to us there is because he rose, because they placed him in the grave. They rolled that great stone over it and guarded it. And though with all of their attempts to stop it, he said, when the Son of Man is placed in the heart of the earth for three days, after that period he's going to rise again. And on the third day, just like he said, just like he promised, just like he foretold them, the Bible tells us that the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose from the dead. And he made the church a promise. He said, just like I told you then, and in like manner, he said, I'm going to resurrect a church out of this earth. Matter of fact, those that are dead in Christ, those that died in the faith, I'm going to raise them up first. And them that are alive and remain, they shall be caught up to meet him together in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, the Bible says. And then it goes on to tell us to comfort one another with these words. In a world that feels hopeless, in a world that it seems like they have no answers, it seems like they have no solutions to the challenges that are before them, I'm telling you, the hope is in the church. The hope is in the glorious church that God has provided for us. Amen. This church has a future. The economy may change. It may not have a future. I don't know what the future holds for government. I don't know what the future holds for the job market. I don't know what the future holds, amen, for various things in this world. But I know what the future holds for the church. He said, I'm coming back for a church, a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing. Even in a dirty, corrupt world, there's going to be a church that's blood bought. There's going to be a church that's blood washed. There's going to be a church that is full of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a church with power. There's going to be a church that is seeing miracles. There's going to be a church that is witnessing healings. There's going to be a church that is seeing souls saved and revival breaking out. There's going to be a church that experiences the blessings of God, that is encountering the goodness of the Lord, that is seeing service after service. God move and the presence of God in their midst. I'm talking about a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. The church has a future. The church has a future. Amen. So don't let, don't let things of this world, people of this world, distractions of this world, so many of the ploys of Satan in this world, don't let it get you off focus. Don't, don't let it deter you. 
and don't let it discourage you. Don't ever allow uh, the enemy to cause you to look outside and say, well, that's where happiness can be found, and that's where joy can be found, and that's where peace can be found, and that's where fulfillment can be found. But right here is where you can find hope. Right here is where you can find your destiny being fulfilled is right here in the church of the living God. Praise the Lord. I don't want I don't want to have something so close to me that I don't realize it. You know, we, we talk about pins oil and uh, comes from Pennsylvania originally. I, I doubt it does today, but originally Pennsylvania, one of the greatest oil fields or areas uh, in history here in America was in Pennsylvania. There was a farmer that uh, had a farm there. This is all fact, and uh, he was trying to run cattle on that farm, and he noticed there was a stream running through it, and the cows wouldn't drink out of that stream, and it had a sulfury-type smell to it, and, and so finally he just sold out and gave up, and I think, now this is a long, long time ago, he sold that farm for $833, and since that time it's become one of the richest oil fields found in America and possibly the world, and Therefore, you've got pins oil. Here was somebody that uh, was right there uh, standing on some of the richest oil wells that could ever be found. And uh, he was wanting to do something else with it. He couldn't see and didn't have any vision beyond what he wanted to do with it. And therefore, he sold out, gave up, went on somewhere else and sold it for little to nothing and somebody else comes along and becomes multi-billionaire. I'm telling you, I don't want to be close to something. Amen. And not be able to appreciate it. I don't want to get so close to something. All I do is scrutinize it. And all I do is critique it. And I find what I can wrong with it. I'm going to tell you, if that's your attitude, you're going to find things wrong with it. You're going to find things wrong. I'm going to tell you, just like it is, amen, that you, you can find more things right with it than you can find wrong with it. If you just change your focus a little bit. Come on, clap a little bit. Amen. That was pitiful, really. I'm just telling you, there's a whole lot more right with the church than there is wrong with the church. The reason is, is we've got farsightedness. We're not looking at the right thing. There's a whole lot more hope here than there is to be down about. There's a whole lot more goodness here than there is bad. There's a whole lot more, amen, that's worthy of our praise and thanks. And, and, and there's a whole lot more to be thankful for and appreciative of than there is for us, amen, to scrutinize and to critique Amen. I'm thankful for the church of the living God. Why don't we stand to our feet right now, lift up our voice to Him, and give Him praise all across this house. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. God's good to us to allow us to have the church. Amen. I said God's good to us to allow us to be a part of it. A lot of things that we could, people of this world, they try to, they try to get into, they, they try to pay dues to get into it, initiation fees, go through all kinds of process to get into 
And there's no higher order than the church of the living God. There's no place that is any better for you and I to be than in the church. We need to keep it up here in its priority. We need to keep its sacredness alive in our lives. We need to be faithful to it. Amen. We need to realize this is something you gave me, the vehicle that you gave me to be saved in. And it's endured this long. And it's been around this long. Amen. And if the Lord tarries, it's going to outlive all of us. If the Lord should tarry, which I think he could come at any time. I believe in the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're one of those that believes that a lot of other things got to happen, I hope, uh, I hope you're wrong. That's what I hope. Because I don't want to have to go through all those things. I read about all those vials and the wrath of God being poured out. I'm like, no, I don't want to go through all that. And uh, I can't imagine necessarily God putting his bride through that. But whatever happens, I know the church is going to endure. And I know the church is going to grow stronger. And I, it's my job to connect to the church. It's my job to stay with the church. It's my job to learn how to value and appreciate the church in my life. Amen. And uh, if I can't value the church, I can't be saved. If I can't appreciate the church and the people of the church, that's what the church is. You realize I already explained that all of us are part of the material and the building up of the church. So when we criticize one another, we're criticizing something that God has constructed. Amen. We're, we're criticizing something that God has put together, that, that he built. Amen. And, and the scriptures uh, replete with examples of not to do that, not to criticize, not to look down on, not to, not, not, not to, to, to gossip about, not to try to be a, a hurt to, but to build up one another, edify one another. That's, that's building up one another. Praise the Lord. When we edify and when we encourage and, and uh, you see somebody that's not where they need to be, don't, don't look down your nose at them and don't judge them and, and don't, don't, don't try, to, don't try to, to castigate them and, and uh, all of that, but, but encourage them in the Lord. The Bible said, do it this way, considering your own selves. So you see somebody's fallen into sin? He said, Restore such a one, considering your own selves, that you might be. You, you've not walked a mile in their moccasins. You, you haven't been there in their shoes. You don't know what they're facing, what they're going through. You don't know, you don't know what's happened in their lives that brought them to this point. And so it's important to, that we realize that really my job as a saint is not to correct anybody anyway. I've got to leave that to pastor and God. Amen. And so uh, I'm just going to try to pray for him and encourage him. And, yeah, that would be all right. We can clap our hands to that. Praise the Lord. Because there's going to be some times you're going to need some encouragement yourself. You know, there's things that we do in life not because, not because, we're expecting anything necessarily at that particular point in our life, but by planting those things and putting that seed in the ground, God notices it. Now, this situation, you know, that happened with Brother Dykes, and I'm happy to report Brother Dykes has 
has came out of this, and and uh, he's awake now. He's talking now, conversing. And they sent me a little clip of him sitting up in the chair and talking. And he called me last night, and uh, we talked for 15 or 20 minutes, just like his old self. He's got some recovery to do, and of course therapy to go through. And uh, one thing I knew was his old self when I seen him eating in that little video clip. I said, yeah, he's getting back to his old self right there. <laughs> and uh, so he's getting stronger and all of that. But you know what? When they called me and said, you know, we need, need you to come help and uh, serve on a committee there in his church. And so I went up, and I thought, you know, that's a, part of me said, I, I don't want to be away and, and go up there. But then again, if I was in this condition, I would want somebody to help me. Amen. And I hope to never be in that condition. But I promise you, if I am, I want to have put some seed in the ground. And God knows that I was willing to go help somebody else. And so I said, God, I'm, I'm asking that you would, would put this to my charge in some way or another. That if I'm ever in a situation where I need help, that, that help would be there for me. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you, when you do good to others, you can expect goodness to come back to you. When you bless others, you can expect blessings to come back to you. Amen. When you help others when they're down, you can expect that to come back to you. Praise the Lord. I, in the last few years, it seems like, uh, it seems like we've, we've taken on some responsibilities as far as helping some, some older ministers and, and people that's kind of fading away into retirement, supplement their income a little bit, try to help them out a little bit. And uh, I've thought to myself, God, how in the world uh, are we going to manage all this? It seemed like uh, had one, and now we got two. And, and, uh, but you know what? The Bible, Bible talks about taking care of widows. And the Bible talks about taking care of these people that have given their lives to the gospel. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do what I can. And God's going to reward it and God's going to bless it because some of these days, if the Lord tarries, I'm going to get old. And you're going to get old. Well, some of you already getting there, praise God. Might as well admit it. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, I hear a lot of noise in the galley right now. We're going to get old if the Lord tarries. And we're going to want to have invested and though it may not be a direct account that we draw back out of physically, so to speak, but when we've invested in the kingdom of God, that's the safest place to invest in. And when you invest in the church, you're investing in your future. The Bible talks about laying up treasures. Amen. I'm thankful that, that our reward isn't just what we get down here. We get a reward in heaven. Amen. That we cannot even really describe. We don't even know what fully that is all going to be. We can't. We we got just a little nuggets of information. But God's going. God's going to reward His people for being faithful to them. And when we invest, and when we give, and when we notice a brother, you know, it's a lot easier to say, "I'll pray for you, brother," than to help him change a flat. I'm sorry that happened, brother. A lot of times it's easier to do that than do something to help. Now, everybody don't get in the line here tonight and say, you know, I got this problem, I got that problem, because one can only do so much. You do understand that. But we're working as a body together, and we're helping one another, and together we can be saved. Together we can make heaven. Together we can make it 
to the rapture of the church. Not just make it, but see this thing flourish and grow and be blessed of God. Why don't you lift your hands again and let's give praise to the Lord as we're dismissed tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for your attentiveness tonight. We appreciate you being such a good church and a wonderful group of people. God bless you and be safe as you go home tonight. Let's remember this weekend. Let's remember outreach on Saturday. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.